Today, we've got a great episode with Mark Strickland, who was a JUCO national champ in Kansas and who's frequently talked about as the top club wrestling coach in Virginia. Before that, he was a high school All-American and two-time state champion for Great Bridge High School. He talks about how he's been amazed by the growth of the Predator Wrestling Club and how he's working to strengthen the sport of wrestling in the state of Virginia. I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Buddy Lee, and if you like this episode, please rate and review it on iTunes and share it with a wrestling fan. Now let's get rolling with Mark Strickland. He taught me to get up when I didn't want to get up when I wanted to quit. I had high goals, man. I've always had high goals. And so when I won it, I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, you guys are right. It's not the thrill of winning. It's the joy of having that personal goal and being able to achieve that and walk off the mat with your head held high and with your hand up. That just fueled my fire. And I was in every state championship match from there on until I graduated. That was when I really started doing the kind of wrestling that I was capable of. Anybody that steps in the ring and just decides to commit the entire time is a state champion in my in my book. Here today with the great Mark Strickland, who has done some of everything. He was a junior college national champion, MMA fighter. He's currently the coach of what many people say is the best club team in Virginia. And he's referred to by many as the best overall coach in Virginia. And before all that, he came up through the Great Bridge Wrestling System, where he was a two-time state champion and high school All-American. I'm here again with my friend and co-host, Buddy Lee, Olympian and jump rope entrepreneur, maker of the best jump rope in the world. And we're going to talk about Mark Strickland's journey to a state championship. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great to see you guys. I appreciate it. Very nice. Very nice. So um, why, why don't we jump right in and hear about how did you get started in wrestling? Okay. Uh, briefly, so my dad was military and he was stationed in Norfolk and he was looking for a house and found one in Chesapeake. We really didn't know anything about wrestling. We were baseball players at the time. And we stumbled into the Great Bridge program, which was already a, an extreme dynasty at the time. Wayne Martin was a head coach. Old man Martin was in the room every day. Uh, Steve was still at Iowa at the time. Uh, his brother wow. Billy was in David. All those guys were in the room. There was a, it was a great program at the time. And I was fortunate enough to go into it at like in seventh, eighth grade. So, and that's how it started. I was just, I was very fortunate really. I mean, honestly. So one of the reasons I was really excited about this interview is that Buddy, you know, Buddy didn't come up through Great Bridge, but he knew the Great Bridge system and, you know, it, all the people you're talking about. Right. Oh, yeah. Virginia. Well, oh, definitely. Yeah. The grammar system has touched so many uh, people's lives and stuff like that around the world. So, yeah, I've, I've spent my time with the uh, Martins at their farms, staying with them. Wayne Martin was was my workout partner at Old Dominion, and uh, he could run like a rabbit. Did, did this guy? Did he used to run with you guys? As a coach? oh, absolutely. You're right. You couldn't you couldn't beat Wayne. No, he did run like a rabbit. He still does to this day. Amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So you're <laughs> this blessed day. to have. Yeah. Coach. It's interesting also that you said you did uh, you were you were involved in baseball before wrestling. So you did. Did you start wrestling in seventh grade? Did you say I actually started wrestling at the very end 
my first full year was eighth grade. Right. I played baseball. We, you know, we were in station in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. I had not been introduced to wrestling. Um, we were baseball players. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So, and, you know, because I, I, we talked with uh, Stacy Woodhouse, who also went through Great Bridge, of course, was, I think, another two-time state champion. And he started out in baseball, too. And, you know, thought about sticking with baseball before you know, really committing fully to, to wrestling. Did you think about, was it a tough decision to switch from baseball? Well, actually it wasn't. I mean, um, you know, I, I was fortunate, you know, when I was coming through high school, I, I still played baseball in the off season. I'd go baseball six weeks right after the season and go back. But the thing about wrestling was, you know, it was such an individual thing and we were in such a great situation. So I was able to dabble in baseball, but wrestling definitely completely took over. I mean, like a, force you know yeah uh, individual just you you and the other guy and just so much you learn about yourself as a person it's it's not a team sport it's it's more or less like working on the self and um learning about your weaknesses your strengths and then finding the courage to go back out there and kick some butt when someone's you know got something over on you like a you know like a one point win or whatever it's nice going back to the drawing board and preparing yourself and then, you know, becoming victor, you know, and, uh, and I think that's what makes the sport very, very special and attractive because you really learn a great deal about the self and what your capabilities are. So, um, so you were, so you would play baseball for, you said something like six weeks a year something like that, but right. I see, I see. And then w were you wrestling year round other than that? I was, I was, you know, I know it's unheard of now to, to, to you know, back then there were multiple sport athletes and baseball was just right after the season yeah. was six weeks. I'd wrestle even through that time. And then back to wow. the Granby school of wrestling all summers. And, um, you know, you don't hear about that anymore with the specialization of things. Uh, there's no, no time for those six weeks, but I really enjoyed that. You know, yeah. I, I did. did you, did you ever think that, you know, being a baseball player versus wrestler, do you think that you could have had a, college career or professional career as a baseball player? Do you ever look back and think about that sometimes? <laughs> you know, I, when I was younger, I was, I, you know, I was a pretty good ball player, but I, I, I noticed that as I wrestling came into my life, my wrestle, my base or uh, my baseball started to slip, you know, like it turns out to be yeah. good at that. You got to do that all the time too. Uh, I couldn't yeah. hit as quite as well. I didn't do it as much. Um, it became a little bit of an activity. Uh, just to kind of get a short, short little break from wrestling. But yeah, I, I got to say no, probably not, you know. Nice. Yeah. When I was talking to Stacy Woodhouse, you know, he said um, uh, he had a bit of a shoulder injury and, um, and, you know, if it wasn't for that. And, and at one point he was getting recruited by a minor league baseball team, you know, so he could have, he could have played in college. He could have, you know, but, but his, he was really bought into the Great Bridge system, and uh, and it was kind of, and and he was coached by Steve Martin Moore, who was back from Iowa at that point. And right. I think the 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 pull of Steve Martin, you know, at one point Steve kind of said to him, "You know what? You gotta you gotta commit here. <laughs> you gotta you gotta go all in on wrestling if you want to be great." You know, after you know, I actually went back and coached with with Steve for a couple of years after college. And, and Stacy was on the team mm. and his brother, you know, great family. Dad's still a head ref here in Virginia. Real wrestling people. Stacy's great kid. Yeah. He was super top too. Super top. Yeah. 
So tell us about your uh, your high school career. Did you what what was your freshman year like? Well, I started wrestling in eighth grade. We had a really big group of uh, hammer young guys coming out of middle school, and I couldn't make the middle school team in eighth grade. But I really liked the sport. I stuck with it. Uh, going in the freshman year, they didn't think I was going to be the guy. I ended up by December beating a senior off the team. It just kind of came natural for me. So I was able to get into the lineup as a freshman late. I uh, finished like third in the district, four, fourth or fifth in the region, didn't qualify for state. Got to fall, feel, feel, you got to know what it feels like so you can get hungry, you know? <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I, I, you know, I was young and back then freshmen were freshmen. You know, now they're super freshmen. These guys have been wrestling since birth. But back then, there was some growing pains you had to go through. Um, That's right. Yeah, you know I mean, but now, now freshmen are not like that. They need a new word for these guys. But, uh, but yeah, so then my sophomore year, I was starting to figure things out. I had a great start. You know, I was like 30 and 0 or something. And honestly, I was around nice. some older guys' team and developed a little bit of a – I was cutting – back then, there was a lot of weight cutting. And sadly, the true story is I developed a little bit of a uh, eating disorder during that time. And my little body just couldn't take it. And then I made it to the I did qualify for the state tournament, but I got majored first round. Back then, if then that guy gets beat, I'm out. Back then, mm. you didn't get, it wasn't double elimination. So that was, you know, the first two years were really a lot of growing pains, you know. But I remember at that time, strong relationship with my father. He was kind of looking at me. And he kind of knew I was figuring things out, but I wasn't doing everything I was supposed to be doing. And it was at that time when Steve came in from Iowa and I had made a decision. OK, I'm mature enough. I'm going to do every single thing right. And I became just absolutely obsessed, obsessed with everything, with doing everything right. And then from there, you know, there was a there was a real climb after that. So where did that obsession come from, do you think? Was that a person? Was that just something inside of you? You know, it's hard to say, really. I would say, I mean, I think so. I really do. I, I you know, looking back and coaching and all these years, and you, you know, some people say you can't teach that stuff, that fire in your belly, that uh, that moxie. You know, the fact that we grew up fist fights. You know, we played in the yard. There weren't cell phones. We were in a whole different culture of, I think, toughness. You know, and. Um, I, I really, you know, really at that age, you really, I don't know. I just really believed I could do it. I believed I was just as tough, just as talented. I had just, a, I had the good coaching. I really loved the feeling of competing. Um, you know, I had idols. I really looked up to the Brands Brothers at that time and how they would just destroy people and never seem to be tired and how they would push themselves in weight rooms and, you know, uh, extreme everything, just extreme, extreme, obsessive and, um, it really took over for me at that point. Yeah. You know, back then, there weren't all these thousand national tournaments. Right. There was these local stuff. But my dad would always take me, and he, he would always do it right. He wouldn't say, you know, he wouldn't shame me. He wouldn't, you know, he knew I could do it. I really wanted to make him proud. There was a powerful force in my life. It really yeah. was. My father, to this day, had a strong impact, for sure. Once he once we moved into Great Bridge, my dad kept us. We were able to stay there. Now, right when I graduated, he had he was he was he had to leave, but uh, with my mom, a sister. But um, I was able to stay in Great Bridge from seventh grade to twelfth grade, which is probably the longest I'd ever been anywhere. Wow, that's lucky. It was lucky. I mean, we got in there in the middle of seventh grade, and there was a we were going to have to leave around my tenth grade year. Somehow, Pop worked that out, but um, 
It was, yeah, yeah, very, real fortunate. So. Well, and he loved wrestling. So he, you know, he was not a wrestler himself, but he was, re I'm sure by your 10th grade year, he was pretty excited about the whole thing. He really, yeah, he was, he was, uh, you know, he was my biggest fan. You know, he, he really did. He was aggressive kind of guy. Wasn't exposed to wrestling, but was drawn to it. Um, you know, it was like a family kind of pride thing. I really often thought of that. I tell these yeah. kids that too. It doesn't quite resonate as much. But uh, your family name, you know, uh, why is their family better than my family? You know, it was all, it was really like a lot of pride to that back then. I mean, <laughs> but that's how things were. Yeah. Yeah. Or a creditor, do you have mostly, you know, does everybody that come there or do they fit us the same mold where they, they are ready, they want to be champions. That's why they're there. Well, no, no, they certainly do not. And uh, most people, I would probably say 90, I don't know, 99% of these the athletes that come to Predator are not good yet. Okay. You know, they're, they're not good yet, but there's something about them that wants more. Maybe they stepped into another little uh, intermediate room somewhere or something, and they, they're having some early success and, and they want to go to the next level. But no, they're all, they all go through all that, okay. you know getting used to the room. There's a, there's a dynamic in there. You know, you just don't come into predator. I mean, there's guys that have been there a long, long time. They kind of migrate off the wall. There's this hierarchy in the middle, you know, and you got to earn their respect and you learning how to drill and how you walk in and, you know, signing up for tournaments and just how you carry yourself. And it's not the points, it's the effort. You know, if you lay down, Oh my goodness, you know, see, they got to come through all those little things, but no, they all struggle with uh, different confidence issues or performance issues or yeah. you know i mean all the way down the line until while they're finding themselves and maturity pre pre puberty wrestling all that stuff and uh peers you know oh my goodness but dealing with failure and i swear they're all different there's no yeah. cookie cutter about it you know um putting them in a good position a good situation a good program is something right away for them to have pride in you yeah. know that starts right away. But then individually, yeah, you got to dig. How many kids do you have in Predator at the moment? We cut, I mean, we, we only have two full mats. So we cut the session at, you know, at 70 kids. Okay. So you've got anyway, our practice is like 40. Right. And then are you, um, is, is that your full-time exclusive occupation or do you have a, a, do you have a day job? Oh no, this is 24 seven. Awesome. Full-time. Full-time uh, wrestling coach. Yes. That's all. Oh, awesome. no, we, there's a, we have an army. I mean, there's a big time organization of it. There's a lot of things happening in the back, you know? Um, yeah. It's just, it, it's as intense and full throttle as yeah. We're yeah. committed to making it successful, you know, but there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Smoking the wheel kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and do you want now, are you so are, and, and I apologize if you already mentioned this, but so you're at se about 70 right now, 70 kids. Do you uh, and you've got two mats. Um, are you growing beyond 70 or is 70 the right number? We, we like it like that. OK, you know, we like it like that. We um, you know, there's been all types of discussions over the years about Predator 2, Predator East and yeah. all that stuff. And anytime. We don't, we worry about watering down the product. We have a great staff. I mean, the staff is amazing and we are by far the best when we're all together. Yeah. So we're not about no way are we about the numbers or the money and all this uh, growing. Yeah. I mean, we still are an intimate wrestling club. We're all in there doing it together. 
in one practice there's one team you know now we did start an intermediate group which we're excited about but that's a whole different little entity okay. yeah but no we're together we're not in that uh we could be twice as big you know <laughs> yeah you know, I mean, I think it's great for Virginia wrestling to have clubs like Predator. And I think, you know, there have been, you know, more of them over over the past, I guess, decade. When I was wrestling, there weren't as many. You know, I was wrestling in the 90s. And, you know, I think I mean, I, I was just in a club last night, um, it, just dropping in locally. And, you know, I thought to myself, I really wished that there was a club like that where you could just go in, you could wrestle, you could learn year round. Um, and uh, so I think it's a really good thing for the sport. Now you made a comment when we last spoke though, about how, when you were wrestling, it was a little different, you know, you wrestled and you know, you started, I think you said your eighth grade year, essentially like the end of your eighth grade year even. And by the time you were a junior and you were starting, you started as a sophomore on the great bridge team. And then as a junior, you won the state tournament. Is that, did I get that right? Well, I started at the middle of seventh grade. Okay. Eighth grade was my first full year. And right. I mean, um, my ninth grade year, I made the team in January. Didn't didn't qualify for the state tournament. Um, yeah, so on from there. But right, right. But there was a really good, you know, I, I was fortunate to go into the situation that I was in. Great Bridges yeah. house at the time. Yeah, it, it sure was. And um the and the point I was where I was headed with that was you know you made a comment about how things are a little different now where you've got these super ninth graders coming mm -hmm. out and they're they come out they're ready to win you know we, there were I remember some of those guys when I was wrestling like like Michael Martin came out of Great Bridge and he dominated the state tournament as a freshman you know I think maybe Frisch Corn and uh, you know uh, there were a handful of these guys who did that but. You know, can you comment a little bit about how that, um, you know, how that's changed over the years? Like how how guys are getting so uh, so well prepared. Right, right. No problem. Well, yeah, it's completely different now. The word freshman is such a dated word. I mean, um, the, the the specialization in sports alone, um, but also in wrestling, the opportunities that they have, we did not have. Yeah, I mean, they can go to a national tournament all over the country every single weekend of the year and it's covered by flow and it's all this you know but also yeah. these young kids are on these big big stages but they're also specialized so we're doing you know they're doing private training and watching film and fixing and then all this i mean hardcore specialization that the speed thing is all along and then yeah. they're been with older guys you know like there's seventh and eighth graders that are fun i mean they're phenomenal yeah. Sixth graders that are just phenomenal. And they're just waiting for puberty to get some muscles because all that wrestling is in there. And when they hit the stage, they are super ready. But I really think it is that the specialized specialization of the training, the fact that they have these national events. I mean, they're they're traveling all around the country, Pennsylvania, yeah. New, York, New Jersey, and they're on these big pressure situations and they're getting comfortable, you know. So um, by the time they hit the stage, it is a whole different I mean, I, I can't imagine how many matches they've already had. Yeah. I mean, a thousand, maybe. Wow. It's really, and you got to be careful because USA Wrestling came out with a stat like two years ago that said 70% of all wrestlers quit the sport by the age of 13. Yeah. Do you know that? I did not. Think about that wow. number. Right? So they start them out too early and then they burn them. Yeah. I mean, they're on the Facebook with look at my trophies. 
But anyway, if you're not careful with each level, from yeah. the elementary to the middle to the high school, then beyond in college, that developmental years. So USA Wrestling puts it on like a USA card loss money thing. Yeah. And then they think it's so they're warning coaches to be really careful with these I young see. ages. But they're competing at four years old. Wow. Now, what do you think about that? Like, I so so there's two schools of thought. I mean, I, I you know, the Russian school, as I've always understood it in Russia, where they've got obviously pr- probably the world's most dominant just overall system and, and culture with wrestling in, in a lot of ways from a numbers standpoint. Um, they don't have competition until an older age. They've got you know, certain, they don't have weight cutting in a lot of, you know, at least in across the board on a large scale at young ages. And then they get into progressively, they do more and more competitions in the U S there's oftentimes right into competition. Like you're describing like at four years old, you know, where do you come down on that? Like, what do you, if you're recommending to parents or you're just coaching young athletes, like what do you like them doing a lot of, uh, a lot of competitions? You know, what do you, you know, what's the balance? Well, first, I think at those young ages, they should do all the developmental sports stuff. All that stuff is great. Soccer, gymnastics, all that stuff is great. Baseball, team sports, they should do all of that stuff for developmental purposes. But then personally, it might be a little old school, but I am I'm totally against this four years old and yeah. competition. You know, um, I don't think there's anything with being involved in the sport. Yeah, I, I think it's too early. You know, I, yeah. I do. I think it's too early. And then we should be careful. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, so so then when do you like them to start going into competitions? That's a good question. I mean, I think around sixth grade, it's, you know, it's time. Okay. You know, sixth grade. And nowadays, a lot of people are holding back, you know, so yeah. they get that extra year in that middle school year, too. So, you yeah. know, if you do that, six, seven, eight eight, you know, those are, there's plenty of time in there, you know, yeah. um, pre-puberty, you got to be real careful. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, so, um, so when you were, you know, starting in seventh grade, you did, I'm sure you did probably like county tournaments, stuff like that. Like what kind of tournaments did you do when you were, when you were getting started? Right. We didn't have this national travel schedule. Right. You know, I mean, um, yeah, we did the local stuff. That's what we did. And we practiced a lot and we did the local stuff, but the local stuff everybody would go to. Yeah. So what's interesting to me is that Great Bridge, when you were on the teams and and then when you went back and coached, Great Bridge created national teams. I mean, you guys were nationally ranked and, and at least one year, I think you were ranked number one in the nation. Um if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, and it, I feel like you did that, correct me, you know, set, set the record straight here, but you know, I feel like you did that with practice room as the, as kind of like the foundation. And then, you know, you had a tough schedule, but it wasn't, I mean, like you said, it wasn't this national circuit year round. So was it, was it mostly about what Steve Martin and the other coaches were drilling you, you know, on throughout the year? Like, is that how you guys got as good as you were? Well, we when we came, all that is all that is definitely true. But when we came through, let me see. When we all went into high school, there was eleven of us that, like me, like Jamie Kelly, Carlos Eason, Shane, all these this group, this big group, 
uh, we're all the same age and went through together. And um, yeah, practice, I mean, you know, yes, it was all the time. Uh, we were at Granby School of Wrestling, so it was hard summers. Yeah. And uh, we had great partners. And we really, there was a system that was put in a place, which was great. You know, it's a little different than a club where all, everybody has different needs. Yeah. This was uh, a system that you worked as hard as you possibly could to get th this system. And, of course, with the lifting and the training, but right, we were just in a lot, you know, the system of everything really helped us. So this is one of the reasons I was really looking forward to talking to you, because I'm a systems guy myself, you yeah. know, and a lot of people don't really think about systems. And, you know, your reputation is someone who I, I think somebody told me that outside of Steve Martin, you you probably know the, you know, the Granby system better than anybody on Earth um, from a technical perspective. And, um you know, can you just talk about like, what does it mean to be following a system? Like, what does it mean to be, to be kind of coaching towards a system? Right. It's really, it's very difficult actually to pull it off nowadays in club setting. Yeah. Because there are so many different styles and ages and body types, but you know, basically a system is you get together as a staff and you decide, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And then you stick with that. Yeah. I mean, there's a million moves and they all work. Yeah. And you could be the jack of all trade, the master of none of them, or you make a decision that, hey, in the tight way situations, this is what we do. Front yeah. lock, headlock situations, this is what we do. These are going to be our two or three main attacks. This is how our defense is, is going to be. Is it going to be butt drag? Is it going to be funky? Is it going to be scooty? You know, you make these decisions on the bottom. Hey, are you going to stand up or are we going to be rolling? You know, uh, change it. You know, you make these cord and, and on top. Think about what can you be on top? Oh, my gosh. Are you a legger? Are you a crabby guy? Are you in the bars and cheap tilts and mason tilts? You know, um, so you got to make these decisions. Then you have to stick with it. Well, and that's what was in place for us. We're like, this yeah. is what we do. Get good at it best you can. And they stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah, they sure did. And, uh, you know, the, some of the power of it for me is that it reduces – the thought process in a good way. You don't have to be wondering about what it is you're getting good at. Um, you, you've got to think about so many things in wrestling that you're never, I mean, it, my coach used to tell me it's a thinking man sport, you know, um, and uh, you know, it's like chess and uh, you know, so you, by implementing a system like the great bridge system, the Granby system, uh, you know, it minimizes some of that, complexity so that you're able to just focus on the, the quality of the technique. Is that, is that how you think of it? Or is that right? I agree. I agree with that. I mean, I, I, I personally, sometimes we struggle with that, you know, like we need to really focus on what we want to do on say top. Yeah. You know? um, now, is that something that, that Steve Martin would relate to in your opinion, not to put words in his mouth, but like, did you, when he was coaching, like, did he struggle with all, oh, what do we, you know, what should we be doing on top? You know, I don't think so. I, yeah, I don't think so either. I, mean, I don't think so. But again, it, it, if you look at, you know, the past history, say, say Grammy school, say great bridge, say, you know, um, it was still pretty complex on top. Yeah. You know, but it just wasn't okay. Like we didn't do legs, you know, we didn't, we did bars and tilts and Turks. Yeah. And we did cradles and Shirellas, 
So there was a lot of stuff to still keep you stimulated, but um, we didn't like we didn't do legs. You know what I mean? We stopped legs. Yeah. That that was what that was. Nowadays, it's probably everywhere now. You know? Yeah. So you know, so when you were wrestling, like, how did? So how did the system adapt to body type or to like, like, did it, did you, or did it not? Like, was it, was when you were wrestling, it was like, okay, here, here's the system, here are the rules, get used to them. Or, you know, was there allowance for, um, you know, for kind of some preferences, like at a certain level? Right. Like Wayne Martin was really, really good at this, um, you know, understanding certain strengths of certain body types mm. and certain technique didn't fit everybody um i think they were great at it you know they knew how to take guys to the side and make it work yeah for you know if you were like really lanky yeah you know? like i remember carlos eason was really really lanky this guy was really tough he won iron man a senior year he wrestled mm -hmm. 44 now really really good but super lanky and you know and they they make adjustments for the body types and some guys are a little stumpy you know um but yeah, yeah they, were, they were really aware. It were, again, it wasn't exactly cookie cutter, you know? Yeah. But like, for example, here's one. Like, so are you a, are you a guy that attacks from the open? You know, like a fake, fake attack from the open or are you a guy that attacks from ties? Yeah. And we were we were taught, which is like a lost art, I feel, is really teaching pull on your feet. Mm. There's so much technique. It is so hard to teach. But they were really great at teaching that. And to this day, I, we, you know, we do that at Predator and it's difficult. But yeah. like we weren't a great bridge. We weren't divers in there, you know. So you really had we, that just wasn't the style that. Yeah, that was not. You had to get your hands on them, really learn how to create space and push and pull and hand fight and yeah. wear people down and really do high level pull technique. Yeah. That's a lost art. I tell you. Yeah. A lot of people now are just bang and go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So I'd love to, to talk a little more about your experience. So, so you've, you've said how you, you know, you didn't make it to the state tournament, your, your sophomore year, and then you won it all your, your, your junior year. So for you, what was that growth like? Like, what did you do between sophomore year and junior year? Um, well, my freshman year, I didn't, I didn't make it. My sophomore year, I did make it. Mm -hmm. Um, my freshman year, I almost made it. I got hit. I got headlocked at the buzzer at the <laughs> regional. That's a little bad, damn. Oh, it's painful. Um, <laughs> but I knew then I, I had a, I, you know, this was all happening quickly, and I, I don't think you could love wrestling anymore. You know, guys at that age, they really just can love some wrestling, and um, we worked really, really hard. Going into my tenth grade year, I really was on track. What I thought was a mature enough guy to be able to do these things and i swear i think i got to like almost 30 and oh i was just doing everything right but we were cutting a lot of weight and there were some older guys on the team there was one of my when i was younger i guess i looked up to them that that whole mentality changed later but they were uh they were some of them were throwing up to make weight and i kind of got on that train and got yeah. into this disorder thing like the last two months of the season yeah and uh Man, it kicked me in the butt. I got major the first round of the state tournament. And then wow. that guy, that guy <laughs> went down next round and I was out. That's right. Because you were saying how it wasn't a double elimination at the time. I was out. And I remember my father looking at me 
I think he kind of knew I had made some bad decisions with all that. And he didn't, I remember, but I had made that decision then that I was going to do everything right. And then, and then Wayne did bring Steve in from Iowa at that time. And he did help us a lot too. And, um, yeah. but after the 10th grade year, I feel like I had a way more developed brain maturity wise. And then after that, it was just an obsession yeah. to do everything right. And then after that, I, it just kind of took off after that. Yeah. Matter of fact, my junior year, I had Sabo in the state finals. Now, Sabo had won the weight yeah. the year before when I was getting, you know, crap kicked out of me. But yeah. um, that, that was a great match, too. I saw that. I, I saw that video of that. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty. It was an intense match. Sabo was good. He was really yeah, good. Was. He also did Okie State, too. He was really Sabo was good. I didn't but know, you know back then. Remember, we didn't have we didn't even know really each other. You know, you didn't have this. There was no, you know, media like we didn't know, you know, you don't Google anybody or anything. <laughs> right. Check up their track wrestling. Um, I, I, I think that social media has helped wrestling in a lot of ways. I mean, it really helps bring the community together. And, you know, it's great, I think, to be able to see into these other wrestling rooms and to talk to people and to hear from them. And, you know, this podcast will be shared on social media at some point. And, you know, and it's great to, I mean, it, yeah, it, it was much more isolated, I think, back before then. Right, it was. We were actually fortunate at Great Bridge in Chesapeake. I mean, it was a course crowds crowds were full but as far as outside of chesapeake we didn't really you know yeah but we had big crowds with cheerleaders we had everything was a televised you had interviews nicknames you know um yeah following in the media at that time yeah you know do do people do people still call you the terminator (laughs) just jokingly (laughs) you know jokingly um yeah, I was talking to Frank Lapoli, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's the one who, as, as I understand it, he's the one who gave you that name. That's true. Yeah, Frank was yeah. great for that stuff. He every wasn't just me. I mean, he gave everybody nicknames. He was, uh, yeah, Frank's great. Yeah. So, so in terms of your progression as a as a high school wrestler, it sounds to me like it was year round, except for baseball. You'd spend a few weeks of the year essentially, you know, playing baseball, which you, you, you think to this day was a good decision to give yourself a little break. And right. th- but then it was an obsession year. Other than that year round, it was all about wrestling and you, and you really were lucky to be part of a program where if you wanted to wrestle year round, you basically could as right. much as you wanted. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, that was our, it really, it's our family, you know, yeah. these were our, our friends and that's what we'd like love to do. Um, we really pushed each other and we wanted to be number one in the country. You know, we, of course, we all wanted to be state champions. It was very important to us, but we were on national rankings at that time. And we were trying, we believed that we could achieve. We all, you know, five guys off that first, that my team all finished D1. Five dudes. That was wow. That's pretty tough. All f- five finished, you know, went, did it. Um, that's pretty tough team. If you think about it. Yeah, I do. That's that is tough. Um, yeah. Um, can you can you still rattle off the names? Do you do you remember yeah. all the- yeah. Shane Darnell? Yeah. Finished at ODU. Jamie Kelly was at ODU. Carlos yeah. Eaton was at Cornell. Um, I finished at ODU. Yeah. Um, Carl Perry finished at Illinois. We yeah. were all on the same team my senior year. 
Yeah, that's a real tough team. There was actually a sixth one, Josh Fannin. He finished at Old Dominion, but he was a year younger. But, I mean, anyway, yeah, there was five that went, did it full-time all the way through, and finished. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations on an amazing career and just doing amazing things with our kids, you know, transforming these young boys into men. And it's, it's nothing greater than to have a coach that, you know, can walk the walk and talk the talk. And, you know, and I understand your journey in terms of having the amazing opportunity to be trained by the Martins. You know, these guys are very scientific wrestlers. And then going to a powerhouse, I think it was what, Oklahoma State or Iowa? Which one was it? You, I, I, yeah. I went to Okie State. I went Juco first, then Okie State, and finished up at ODU. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, going – that is that under John Smith, right? Was that under John right. Smith? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, me and John, we never got our chance to rumble in the jungle and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was he did it in freestyle. But anyway, yeah, and, um, just great to have you on. So, Thank let's you. pick up, you know – you know, this is this has been my life for over 30 something years as a wrestler. So I can just freestyle and just ask all kinds of stuff because I understand, you know, how you made the transition from, you know, ha having the opportunity to be exposed to the, the Grammar School of Wrestling, then going to Oklahoma State and, and picking up these different methodologies, which has really, really made all the difference in your coaching. And I'm pretty sure that you you kind of mix those things together and you kind of you know, present them to the kids. And, you know, it's, I think it's, they, they're really blessed to have a coach like you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. You're right. I am fortunate in that way. Cause out West was a complete, even when I went to the Juco, I was, I was in Kansas and there were mm -hmm. so many Okies on the team at that time. Yeah. And John was just killing it at that time. You know, this was 1994, three, four, five. And everybody yeah. had little singles going, the knee dips going. Um, real slicky, you know, but it was fun to learn, to learn the different, cause Steve had come from Iowa. So yep. then you have this style plus the Granby style. That's all right. Kind of working to blend together there was really, yeah, it was stimulating, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the way I look at it is that, um, that, you know, um, you know, athletes are a product of their environment. And the environment has a lot to do with type of coaching methodologies. When you think about the Martins, I, I don't look at them as being like, you know, the Grammy is what the father, Mr. Martin Sr., he came out with, but they kind of discovered that from a wrestler. And the Grammy, the Grammy style of wrestling was developed for the weak wrestler, you know? But then in, when I came in the era, they were basically analyzing and breaking down the top wrestlers on the planet from Japan, from Russia, from Iran, they were breaking down their techniques. So the way I look at the Martins and the Grammar School of Wrestling is the ability to break down technique and show you step by step how to, how to execute the perfect double leg or a single leg or the jab double or the the, the Lieberman's duck or whatever. And so I, I that's I think that's kind of great. And then going from you know like you say, Stephen, that's like um just how to go from point A to Z, you know, 110% nonstop. That's the Iowa wrestling, you know? <laughs> right. You know? So you get a taste of that. And then, like you say, Oklahoma State, where you're basically attacking everything from the knee to the ankle. <laughs> from the right. knee to the ankle. How do you wrestle down there? Oh, my gosh. So you, yeah, that makes you yeah. a good coach. 
makes you a great right. coach. Man. It was interesting. And you know, the way the to to this day that, that you know, that methodology of of understanding film, filming everything, watching things in slow motion, breaking it down to one, two, three, understanding that if you don't correct, it will just stay there forever. You know, you got to see what you and, and as an athlete, these kids can get addicted to that. The coaches can break all that stuff down. But I mean, I was taught that there was always film on everything. Just film, film, film. That's right. That's, that's, that's exactly right. So when you're talking you're about. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. So when you're talking about film review, are you so are you talking about you would do a ton of watching your own film and breaking down, like they would film you and your matches and then do that to correct mistakes. Is that they film everything? Practices, practices, uh, all practices were filmed. Yep. All matches were filmed. I but see. you watch film of like Buddy saying, everybody from around the world too. I mean, and you know, we'd go out to the farm, we'd work out, we'd go in and it would, it would, you review the workout, but also then all these other, Film was just mega slow motion, always, you know, always going everywhere. Yeah. What a, Old man, what a, you, couldn't, you couldn't really see it if it wasn't in slow motion, you know. That's exactly right. I, I remember when I taught myself um, uh, Greco-Roman uh, because we come from the folk style. And then I went from Old Dominion. Then I went straight into the U.S. Marines and, and it was all Greco-Roman team. And, and, and these guys, they didn't like me because I was a you know, two-time All-American coming from Old Dominion, kicking their butts. <laughs> so they weren't going to teach me anything. So I just went and did the method like, hey, man, I invested in my, my video camera that could do slow motion. And I and I started filming everybody that did Greco. And then I started studying the Russians. I studied the Cubans because their style was similar to mine because they changed elevation for Greco. Uh -huh. And that's how, I that's how I learned Greco. I taught myself through through that methodology of filming and breaking down in slow motion and learning everything. So when I started lifting everybody in the world for Greco, they thought I was studying on somebody. No, I was from, from the school of wrestling, from the Grammy School of Wrestling of um, breaking down technique. And I just think it's a blessing that the, the athletes have that kind of coach um, that has been exposed to those kind of methodology. In fact, I think, Mark, that's your secret, secret weapon. <laughs> Your secret weapon, right? <laughs> hey, I, so I appreciate all three three of those styles, you know, the Granby mm -hmm. and, and, and the Iowa style, as well as uh, the Oki style, I say. And you're right. I'm, yeah. I'm very fortunate, buddy. You're very, very fortunate. What, what's the big what was the biggest influence on Predator? Like which which of those three experiences that you've had? Oh, man. That is something. I, I I would probably have to say it's a blend. It um, I I swear it really is a blend. Like for example, like Buddy's talking about, like the Iowa style. Yeah. Like uh, I would hear stories of with the old man. I mean, they'd sit down for fifteen minutes for a demo, and he was just extremely thorough. Fifteen minutes of breaking down a move, you know, he was super duper thorough. But then this Iowa methodology comes in and you're not allowed to lose your sweat. You know, you've got to keep your heart rate up all the time. It's like this super uh, fast pace uh, that whole sit on your butt for 15 minutes. You know, that just doesn't. And, um, but then you start to throw in some slicky stuff and the kids do like that stuff too. They like misdirection, you know, they, they want technique and hand fighting and misdirection stuff. So um, 
And then on the bottom, yeah, I mean, that, that just follows everywhere. I, I got to tell you, I don't know, but I, they're all yeah. three in there, though. They're all three in there. Yeah. Greco, too, buddy. Greco, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get a little bit of everything in there. Yes, very much so. Uh, you know, you say it's so it's difficult to have a system at a club. Um, and I think you mean, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think you mean that because it's three days a week, four days a week and not 24 seven, is it, is that why it's difficult to have a system compared to like a high school where it's all, every day all the time? Well, I, that, that is true. You know, the fact that, um, you really don't get a Yeah. I don't think you get quite the drill time yeah. uh, rep, but also, you know, I, I, it's hard to say. I actually struggle with this, to be honest. You know, yeah. it's really something we we discuss a lot, you know, because there have we have flip flop systems. And yeah. um, one time, briefly, we got fed up and just switched all to legs. We're going we're going to be leggers. We're going to have legs in our room. So our guys are used to legs all the time and defending yeah. legs all the time. And they're going to need it in college anyway. They need, they might as well learn, learn it the right way. And they want to throw legs anyway. Um, that did not last long. We did not, we did not stick with that. You know, uh, we were worried about losing, you know, like you, it's important to learn the basics of pop before yeah. I get into all this stuff. You need to learn how to, tilt people up, turn people up, you know, yeah. crate people up these inside bars and cradles and Turks, you know, all that stuff is. Um, so anyway, yeah. So we, so then we decided, I know we, we, <laughs> these are the things we talk about by the stage, you know, you're yeah, like, yeah. well, this is not for everybody. Let's be smart. Johnny over there is seven foot tall. He it's for him, but it's not for, so we started individualizing certain things for certain people. I see. I see. Interesting. So one of my heroes is uh, not it's outside of wrestling, but um, uh, Gary Kasparov, the chess player. Um, and, you know, he would say that a bad system is better than no system, you know, or bad plan is better than no plan. You know, at some point you got to make sacrifices and then, and then you start getting the benefits of just that, that system in place, you know, whatever, whatever it is, the imperfect system, you know, it, it really starts to pay off, but you know, once you stick with it. So, so that, that's interesting. Right. And you can branch and you got to be careful with that. I mean, it's very common to see guys that can drill 10 things on top and make it look just beautiful. When they get in the match, it is not there. Yeah. You know? And, but there's another thing. There's a couple, I, along the same lines with this discussion, it's interesting you say this because we, we, we talk about this all the time, but, so we have a couple guys in our club and one, his name is Mitchell Faglioni and he's in, um, he's a freshman this year. But anyway, Mitchell learned a Turk like three years ago, right? Just yeah. a Turk. Everybody knows a Turk, right? No, no, Mitchell learned a Turk and it's all he ever wants to do whenever in all positions. I mean, when he takes you down, he is just looking for a Turk the whole time. And he Turks, he Turks the hell out of most people he wrestles. He's that good at it, slipping yeah. into it. And it's just, it's a Turk. Everybody else learn the same Turk and they can Turk, but he has this like right to it. Hmm. And it's, a, it makes you think, man, we should do nothing but Turks. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch this where other guys have 
their brain is shifting, you know, floating through all reactions to, oh, maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll do that. And real no direction. And we have another guy that rides a Blair rider inside bar and he's the same way. He knows he's going all out, all out for that. It's one thing, but he can turn you on both sides. He can pin you too, but that's what he's doing. He's not doing anything else. You know, like it's right to that. That's interesting. So then, so then is kind of the genius of the kind of the, the great bridge system. Is that, that they were really able to make it work for, such a broad number of wrestlers, you know, where it's like, you know, like I went to one, one, you know, one regret I have in wrestling when I was in high school is that I, I wish I'd gone every year to the Granby camps. Um, and, you know, I went once and I gained a lot, but I really just got a taste of how good the system was, you know, is, but it was that, was it was kind of the genius of it that it worked so much for so many people you know, maybe it wasn't the best thing for every single person, but it was pretty darn good for almost everybody who who tried it. Yeah, I, I did Grammy for 33 straight years until wow. COVID hit. I mean, I we did it all summer long, um, you know, five weeks back then from Sunday to Friday. And that's the wow. thing. I mean, you're wrestling 10 hours a day. I mean, wow. two, four, six, three sessions, and you got the live. Plus, if you do, we're doing running and lifting after the second session. I mean, and it was just uh, so what that allowed was the learning happened then. And then when the school year would come around, you know, most of that was drill time. There was correction time. Wow. Don't get me wrong. But the learning of the system of what we were going to do and the reps and all that stuff was handled then yeah yeah i see i see yeah that's 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 fascinating it's such a powerful system to be able to to have where you're able to learn in the off season and then drill in the during the season right i mean you're getting that rep time you know we were told that all the time a thousand reps you'll see it you know you'll be able to see it in the in the state finals i mean hard reps and yeah uh, but we, we, we knew that what we were expected to do in certain situations it was us to, to learn it. And it was, it was, we were fortunate. We yeah. were fortunate. So in terms of the decision to be a club coach rather than a, like a high school coach, did you, was that a difficult decision? I mean, I'm sure you could coach at any high school you wanted and you did coach at you. I mean, you led some teams to state titles in uh, Louisiana. I think it was as head coach. Um, and uh, like, did you, did you, you know, was it a difficult decision to not be a high school coach and to, and to do the club? No, uh, unfortunately. So when we went to Louisiana, all right, I had recently been married and we had small children and I was a head coach at a young age. And, um, we built that program down South to be nationally ranked. I was really proud of what we did there. You know, it was in Katrina is what got us, but, we were nationally ranked that little Southern place. We had an army there. It was crazy. It was just enormous. Um, we were ranked number two by Win Magazine for the most improved program in the country. It was just amazing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was great. Um, so, but Katrina hit. So, oh. um, my wife of the time, um, we had small children and one with special needs even, uh, was not going back. He's like, you do the wrestling anywhere you want. You can rebuild this and do this anywhere you want. She was right. So we left. 
And I went to Bacosan and took that head coaching job. I think they were like 30th or 27th the first year. And then we were third the first year. And the second year we were uh, second and we were building there. It was, it was going well. But I, I was having personal problems at the time. Um, I was having personal problems. I was going through divorce, and um, it was it was a low spot for me personally. And uh, I had some problems, so I got my, I got in a little trouble. And Predator reached out to me after that, and so I was into this club scene. Now the whole time I was thinking, I, I'm going to get through all this and get back to high school. So I couldn't imagine being in a club setting forever you know nobody was doing that then you yeah. know there was none of that it was high school you know there was no but once i got in the club and saw the potential of it and i was you know fortunate to be in that situation at all but uh, a lot of like-minded people not just me by any means you know came to grips that you can be as successful as you want you know without all the little uh VHSL, you know, high school stuff. Anyway, you know, more yeah. in a personal setting without all the paperwork and all these things. Um, you could build it differently. Um, private training, you know, basically build the program that way. And yeah. big staff and this big schedule all the time. And, uh, you know, that took off. And it, I've been pretty amazed, actually. Um but there's a lot of people working, working hard to do it for sure. Yeah, I, I think that um, it's about Mark. Is there anything that you want to share? Because I think at the end of the day, yeah. how do we, how do we basically help you to get your word out to basically educate people about what your mission is, um, why you have the greatest club, and why they should be a part of your program? Because you know this is a very tough time with the pandemic, and um, and then just how can they, you know, contact you? to learn more about how to be a champion on and off the mats. <laughs> yeah, thanks, buddy. I, I appreciate yeah. both of you, Will, you, buddy. I really do. Uh, we're Virginia Team Predator. We're, we're located right there out of Richmond. Um, we're, we're living the dream. You know, we, we are, you know, living the dream. We have great relationships. Uh, we are a family. We're still old school in that way, you know, where they come in young and they stay with us all the way through. I love when our, College guys come back. I mean, that's how long we've been been with them. And and that's really our goal is to let's get them to college. We see wrestling as a vehicle for success. You know, you're not going to be able to turn in your gold medals to pay rent. We want them, you know, to be educated and happy and balanced. But it's a great, great life. I mean, it's a great life. These kids have all kinds of different things they could be getting into. Um but they, you can fall in love with wrestling and it can help you academically and it can just help you all around. Um, I'm around a lot of like-minded coaches who have a lot of passion and um, we love the club setting that you can travel around to Pennsylvania and New York and all these places and have all these experiences. Um, we're really proud that we care about our wrestling, our athletes. We really care about it, you know, and I've for years, we've been worried about the state of Virginia. Uh, honestly, we've been worried. Yeah. And we've worked on the national teams and we've worked with coaches to try to get this cooperation um, going. And we have four or five. We had five. We have four Division One, you know, colleges in this state. And sometimes we don't get the best reputation, you know. So 
we believe we can beat, we can go with these guys and win, win these guys, you know, do that. So we've tried to help the state. Um, but yeah, we're really proud and we are, we're, we're definitely living the dream. I appreciate you guys very much. Um, so let it's me, been a great life. Yeah, so let me, let me ask you a follow-up question on that. So I'm a coach in Virginia. I'm, I'm a relatively new coach. Um, and, um, what's the most important thing to make it so that Virginia wrestling continues to improve? You know, what, what is, what, what in your opinion is it that coaches should be doing, you know, that people in the community should be doing like, what, what, what do you want to see happen to help Virginia excel in wrestling? Well, that's a good, that, that is a good question. It, I mean, it could, I could go a million different ways with that, but I, I miss the days of, uh, well, I think the coaching is a little down on the high school side from where it used to be. I think that that, you know, a little bit down. Um, we're going to have to travel as a state, like, like the rest of the country does. I mean, we got to expose these kids like the rest of them, like the rest of them do to keep them on these big stages. And I think coaches cooperation. You need a platform to basically be able to educate people. They need to hear about your mindset, your methodology. And I think that when you're talking about, you know, coaches lacking, then, you know, we got to take leaders like yourself and basically, you know, present you to the community so that, you know, coaches can come to you and start learning and about mindset. Because I think that you've been blessed with the opportunity to be exposed to, you know, winning styles, winning styles of wrestling. When you're talking about John Smith, six-time world champion, Oklahoma State, multiple times national champions. I, I were multiple times national champions and have coaches to coach you and you bring that knowledge to the rest of the world. I mean, you, you know, these coaches need that knowledge as well. <laughs> they you need do. it as well because it's stuck. Let me, buddy, let me tell you a funny story on my uh, YouTube, Will. So I was on my recruiting trip at Okie State. Now, mm -hmm. I've been raised on the Brands Brothers because Stevie was workout partners with them. Yeah. Uh, they were my idols and everything. So John takes a group of guys. We go over to the National Hall of Fame and I see uh, the brands had, you know, their world championship medal. And I say, Hey, that's brands world championship medal. He's tough. And John says, shit, he didn't even place the next year. Imagine <laughs> trying to win six in a row. That's tough. That's right. I looked up at yeah. him. I was like, Oh my gosh. He's not right. bad. He's like, he you know, place the next year. <laughs> what? Right. Uh, you, hey, you got to watch what you say around the other world champions because you're right. How in the hell do you do that shit six times in a row? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was it's like, true. man, this is a whole different level right yeah, here. It's, it's a whole different level, man, to be consistent, especially when you're talking about freestyle and you're talking about dealing with the Russians and then, when the, and then with the Soviet Union when it broke up in 1991, in 92 then that's when everything changed after that. And and then John was winning world titles after that, you know, against the, the, the tough Russians. I mean, it's just like when you're talking about Russians, it's like going against the wrestling book and steroids sometimes, <laughs> you know. But um, but still, the fact that you got exposed to those kind of coaches and stuff and you bringing that to the state of Virginia. And uh, did, did I don't know, did you wrestle Greco? Did you have any Greco experience? But he, I did, and we, it's in our club, and we've always, well, the way we do it is they're required to wrestle Greco all the way through their cadet years, wow. and they they have to do it. It's part of the development, and for some of them, they, they get addicted to it. 
you know, I mean, high flying, you know, buddy. I mean, they, they, but they learn all those positions and it's, and if you're not comfortable up top, then you're going to be exposed or you can add weapons, but you no, know, it helps them with their parterre and more front headlock stuff, but also being comfortable up there. Um, oh yeah. Well, all respect. So this club credit to club supposed to be the number one club in what in Virginia, right? I've heard, um, you know. That's what people say. Yeah. That's what people say. Well, That's let me let say. me give a shout out for you uh, on behalf of Mark. I know you're not going to say it. This is why the Predator Club is number one, because this 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 gentleman, this 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 wrestler, our you know part of our family, he's had the opportunity to be exposed to the greatest wrestling methodologies in the world, and um, he's bringing that to Virginia. I mean, when you think about the Graham School of Wrestling, that's one of the things that they lacked. They didn't know anything about upper body, so they didn't teach it. So just to have a coach being able to teach Greco-Roman combined with the, the John Smith style, combined with the Iowa style, with the brand style, <laughs> and then his own methodology, then you got, you got, you got, a, you got a, a serious coach here. So, you know, I like to just say we're really just blessed to have a coach of your, your caliber, your mindset. And then, of course, your background being raised by your father, military. I know that you got everything in line. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, very thank you. To have you. I really do appreciate that. That's very kind words. I'm, I've been very fortunate. I have, and I really do appreciate that. Sure. I, I like to say, uh, you know, rest in peace to my good friend Jamie Kelly. He 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 passed away uh, last year. He was he wrestled at Old Dominion University. Uh, there's a big golf tournament August 20th. It's going to be every summer. Um, oh, he was wow. one of those just phenomenal people, and uh, we miss him, we love him, and we want to yeah. always include him in these kind of things, you know. And that's those August 20th, yeah. August, August 20th, 20th. Jamie Jamie Kelly. what weight class did he wrestle? I, I he was think I we graduated together. He um, he went two and two in 1998 NCAAs. Uh, he was at 158. Wow, he's yes. a great bridge, also, you know. Wow, wow, nice. Um, yeah, condolences great to him and the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we got to celebrate him. So, um, uh, where did I got a question with the club? Um, you're located in Richmond, but right now you guys aren't wrestling right now. Are, are you? We're, no, we're wrestling. Say? How many people you have in the club? Well, we 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 have four sessions, and then we cut it at seventy per session, okay. and our practices are around forty. You know. Okay. So I, I think that what I want to do, I, you know, uh, donate some jump ropes to the Predator Wrestling Club in wow. Richmond. So they get, get these guys jumping. So we'll, we'll make sure we get your address and send you some some jump ropes and uh, Buddy Lee jump ropes. And then, you know, if these guys want to purchase more, they can go to BuddyLeeJumpRopes.com. But for the most part, we just want to do that for you, for coming on the show and for being one of our outstanding coaches of Virginia. Thank you, Buddy, very much. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. You're welcome.